Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. After about a four-month hiatus, we are back with the All-Star Panel. This is episode number 248. And today we're going to be discussing how telling your story can inspire the lives, the lives of others while changing your own. And so if you are new to the show, we're all about overcoming obstacles, defying the odds, finding the power in your story to help you clear the path of whatever is blocking what you really want to get out of life. And if you're joining me over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, share the video. If you're joining me on the Facebook pages, please like and share. Follow all of the panelists because you're going to get a lot of knowledge out of what they share today. I selected these. Is Hopefully, it's going to be six people. One, one hasn't hadn't connected yet, but I selected these five people specifically to talk about this topic because they all rocked on their individual episodes, and I know that they're going to rock on this. And again, if you knew, all of my shows are unscripted. Even though I have met with all of them before, we didn't meet ahead of time and discuss a format or what to say. There's no talking points. There's no scripts. This will be 100% organic. All right, and so... Without further ado, let's meet the panelists. So we have a certified grief coach, Dr. Katie Branter. We have a magician who I listened to a podcast. He's doing a podcast just saying funny and outlandish stuff. I watched it a little bit of it yesterday, and it's really, really funny. So this is magician Jake Schwartz. We have a professor of culinary medicine and another person with an amazing story. This is Chef Dr. Mike. We have another fitness professional, and she caters to mamas. This is Lisa Paranzo. We have a teacher-turned-online tutor. And I know I have a lot of teachers in my circle that need to follow her. And if, you, if you're looking to become a tutor, you want to align yourself with her journey. This is Joanne Kaminsky. And hopefully he joins us. But he is an entrepreneur, author, and speaker, David Richmond. So he's not here now. So if he joins us later, great. If not, then the six of us are going to rock this out ourselves. All right. So Dr. Katie Branter is going to lead us off. And so what I want you to share is a little bit of your background, what you have gone through, and what gave you the courage to start telling your story. Okay. So I'm actually not a certified grief coach. So I just want to put that there. Um, I'm a doctor of naturopathic medicine, a licensed ND. In BC, we're considered primary care physicians. Um, But my story is that about almost exactly six years ago, I lost my son, who was 15 at the time, to um, a fentanyl poisoning. So we found him in his bed. And my story basically starts from there. I mean, at the time, I I was actually also very burnt out. I had a young daughter at the time and a stepdaughter that I was caring for. And um, I wasn't sure how I was going to get it, how I was going to get through. um, Because, yeah, because of all those reasons. So I actually just recently started sharing, really sharing my story uh, on TikTok, which is so interesting. Just my my coach and friend said, you should you should uh, join TikTok and, you know, actually to promote some other services that I was offering. Um, but it just ended up that I started sharing the story and, oh my goodness, the other moms, because it's an epidemic now, um, but the other moms, not even, not just with fentanyl poisoning, but the other moms who have lost children and, and feeling so alone. And so I ended up, it's crazy. I grew to like 14,000 in two months. Like I think I joined in July and by September like 20th, I had almost 14,000 followers and I wasn't even looking for like, that wasn't actually my, 
my goal. Um, but what I realized was how many of these women are, and men too, a lot of fathers came on, um, are struggling. And so sharing my story almost gave them permission to share theirs as well. Even if they weren't on TikTok, the comments were just, it was actually, it shocked me. And, and it, it was unbelievable how many other people are going through this as well. So yeah, it's, those are, there's such big losses when you lose a child. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's one of those moments where you just feel so alone. There's, there's some help out there, but I mean, no, nothing's going to take away the pain. So yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I feel like having the courage to go to even say what happened and how it happened just it was so healing for my own heart and also and also tiring though that that it was so being so vulnerable and sharing with the world literally um and I'm a very private person actually I really enjoy my I'm I'm an, I'm an introvert so um yeah that that it was it was it was really beautiful and um incredible to hear other people's stories in the comments as well and also very challenging um so there's like those two sides to the sharing your story. Um, it's the being vulnerable does take courage, I think, and it does, and it does take energy. And so it's been a really interesting journey over the last few months. And obviously the last many, many years, I've gone through a lot of my own healing. And it's one of those things where I think what I realize is on so many different levels, if we don't face our grief, it, it it will it will literally make us sick it it will and it'll catch up with us in so many different ways and so being able to share i think in itself is healing i'm writing my memoir my book actually not even just just for myself <laughs> just to to witness as my own witness to what i've been through and and the witness to my son's life and so that's something that i'm in the process of doing right now and yeah, I mean, what what an insane journey! I, I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. See, so so I have my notebook here, and I filled up the the, the entire box already <laughs> with with the first thing that you just said. You know, because like as someone who helps people create stories, like it's my job to listen to every minute detail that people say, and you dropped a whole lot there, which we'll, we'll dive into more on round two. Okay, so now we're going to go to the magician slash podcast host, Jake. It is on you now. Same thing. What's something that you had to go through where you had to face the courage to share your story? Um, For me, I mean, my whole life and career is kind of centered around storytelling. I started doing magic when I was two years old. I was a picky eater, and so my parents would ask me to make my food disappear um, to get me to eat. I decided that I wanted to devote my life to magic by the time I was 10, and now I'm 23. I do magic full-time all over the country for uh, theaters, television shows, the whole nine. And um, so for me, it's my telling my story has been about entertainment and how I can do that in the most entertaining way possible. Um, I, I will just share kind of a quick story, which I think I might've actually shared the last time I was on your podcast, Rob, I'm not sure. Uh, but when I was a sophomore in college, I had like terrible anxiety. I was having trouble eating and sleeping in the whole nine. And eventually it got to a point where I didn't really know what, 
to do with all of these feelings. So I put them in the context of a magic trick. And I wrote this magic trick kind of about what I was going through and about how I was feeling. And it really, it not only helped me, but then getting it to a point where it was on stage and hearing some feedback from um, people in my audiences as well, telling me, you know, how much that resonated with them. And, and it's kind of an interesting balance because you mentioned my podcast is goofy. It's completely out of bounds. It's ridiculous. And that is most of me. But also I have that other part of me where like I do feel anxious and I do have these sort of deeper thoughts. And so um, being able to incorporate those into my show as well has been really, really cool, not only for me, but it's been cooler to hear people's reaction in the audience as well. Awesome. Right. That was good stuff. See, so right now I'm already piecing mine. But by the time I do my piece, I take bits and pieces of what you all say and just tie it in together. And I could I could do like an entire episode on what you two just shared. So that's awesome. No pressure for you, Lisa. (laughs) All right, Lisa, you are up. Like, do I need to talk? Can I just like listen to everybody else? Because (laughs) my story, and I know I already shared this with you, but it's it's a little bit different because my motivation to share my story actually came from one of my clients. Um, so to kind of jump around in the time space, I was teaching a class and after the class, I had a client come up to me and she was like, how are you so motivational when you talk? And of course, my response was, well, I have no idea what I say, so I, I can't help you. with that. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. But I told her, I said, whenever I teach, I visualize in my mind when the class gets like particularly difficult, we're working on something really hard. I picture in my mind myself and I'm going there now. I can like see it as a 19 year old kid on bed rest in my parents living room, not knowing whether or not I would be able to walk again. Because when I was 19, I got really severely hurt when I was in Army ROTC. I shattered, fractured, and dislocated my right foot. And at that point in time, we there was like a nine-day period where we couldn't find a doctor who could fix me. I didn't know what my future held in terms of like quality of life and mobility and being able to do the things that you know, a few days ago, I had been able to do. And having that visualization in my mind and knowing like, I went from that to where I am now, gives me the inspiration, I guess, to come up with all this motivational stuff, because I I truly do know that we as humans are capable of anything that we put our minds to. And that when you have that community of support around you, it makes it that much easier to be able to put yourself out there and to try the hard thing because you know that if you fail you have that community to pick you up and propel you forward onto the next thing or to give you the support to learn what you need to change and make those tweaks to be able to try again so from my story i did not want to share it and i honestly for years did not speak about it in a public space. Right after I got hurt, I got, I finished my degree. I went into like a very traditional American work structure and ended up leaving that for corporate America, leaving that for fitness. And when I left it for fitness, I didn't talk about it. 
I didn't talk about what happened. I didn't talk about the grief that I went through losing at like my social circle, my career that I thought I was going to have everything literally in the blink of an eye. I didn't talk about it until this client gave me the safe space to talk about it. And when I told her where I was coming from and, and what I was seeing in my mind and how that gives me the motivation to like encourage them and push them to their limits because I know I can handle it. She looked at me and she said, why aren't you sharing this with more people? Like there's so much power in your story and we can all relate on this yes. on some sort of level. You need to start talking about it more. And so I did. And I started talking about it on podcasts and like with you and sharing it with my clients. And I started really embracing the power and being vulnerable and knowing that I could be in that space and like not be judged for it. If that, I don't know if that's the right yeah. word that I'm looking for, yeah, I'm with but, you. you know what I'm saying? And, and that people would resonate with it because I really honestly didn't think that they would. So that's my, my little story. All right. Awesome. 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 This is good, good stuff. Yeah, because again, you you just dropped a whole bunch on there as well. So loving how this is flowing. Chef Dr. Mike, it's on you. Yeah, so I'm going to build a little bit on what uh, Lisa had, had talked about, because one of the things that, that was important in shaping my story also came from an interaction uh, that I had with, with a patient. So, you know, the story originally started, and I think this may be true for, for a lot of people. You don't really realize the, the story that is unfolding and building at the time. So for me, growing up way back in the dark ages before the internet, um, as a kid who moved around a lot and always being the new kid, uh, people know kids can be be tough. And especially back then, they could be tough. And so often, you know, I didn't have friends, was kind of picked on, uh, was, was short and fat back in, in that day as well. And uh, I would come home and my mom was a great home cook and would have watched like Jewel Child and Galloping Gourmet. And so she'd be, you know, starting to fix dinner, working in the kitchen, maybe trying to recreate some of those recipes when I got home. So the, the kitchen really became more than just a place where food was prepared. But around that food, around, you know, the love of my mom, um, the kitchen really became a sanctuary and, and, and a healing space. And um, I didn't really appreciate that at the time for what it was, that kind of whole food experience and that that relationship with food and, and through food uh, with, you know, my mom and other members of my family, uh, etc. Uh, I just knew that when I went to college, the uh, food was a uh, food service was a, a place to go get a job and help pay uh, for college, a likely starting spot. I ended up starting as a dishwasher and working my way up to be essentially what we call today the head chef, uh, professional chef, you know, running the back of the house. And then I had my own health issues years later uh, after I'd be gone off to medical school, become an interventional cardiologist. And, and I realized that, you know, one of the things I had to do that I could do was really changed my diet because I'd fallen in that trap of convenience and and just doing things that that were easy uh, that fit in with a, a schedule of you know a busy twenty four seven on call interventional cardiologist uh, and I noticed that uh, you know in exploring that food health relationship 
a lot of the data was very contrary to what was being preached at the time uh, for professional organizations, things I'd actually told patients to do. And I went back, I was like, oh gosh, what I told them to do, that there, there's no data for that. Or even worse, the data is completely contrary when you really dig into this uh, stuff. Um, and you know, I had my own success and, and I'd written a book and I went to one of my good friends who was an academic uh, um, cardiologist uh, at you know one of the leading universities in the country. And so I gave him the book and and to get his feedback and see if he would do a testimonial. And he's like, Mike, this is like phenomenal. Your your dad is great. You know, I checked your references. This makes a ton of sense. And I was, oh, thanks so much, John. You know, can you give me a testimony? He's like, no way. I would get fired in a heartbeat. Uh, it's like everything you're talking about is contrary to, you know, what the recommendations and guidelines are. I, I love your brother, but uh, there's no way I can get behind this. And so at, at that point, I kind of had to make a, a decision, right? You know, was I going to keep being comfortable uh, doing my cardiology practice and kind of not follow my heart and soul, which was pushing and pulling me in this direction, even though it was a lonely, would be a lonely path uh, when I started. And, and there was uh, an occurrence I had where I was on call. It was uh, 2 a.m. Uh, Saturday morning. Uh, I was on call Friday night and Saturday morning. And, you know, the, the ER doc is like, you know, this is probably nothing because this person's got chest pain and the ECG is a little wonky, but um, they're only 24 years old. And she, she can't be having a heart attack, right? I go down and look at it. I was like, you know, it seems like there's something going on here. And so why don't we take her emergently to the cath lab? And if it's nothing, then we can all sleep easy. And so the next day I'm in a room chatting with her because we had to put a stent in. She actually was having a heart attack at 24. Wow. And we started talking about, you know, the foods that she's eating. And um, I, I spent almost an hour in her room kind of listening to her story and, and, and sharing some advice and some things from my own personal journey that I've talked about. And in comes the hospital tray. Right. And it's the, it's the classic, you know, it's a turkey sandwich on white bread with American cheese because it's turkey. And so that's not a red meat. So it's healthy. And, you know, just so much garbage on this plate. And I realized, you know, um, somebody has to get out there and sort of be willing to take a pirate stain and, uh, you know, put a put a shot across the bow, come what may. Uh, and, you know, with the support of, of my wife. Um, you know, I, I've, I've gone down that path and, and, and that was, you know, well over uh, a decade ago. And to kind of get to the end of the story, you know, um, I, I just got uh, asked to go give a keynote address at another major university to now share the wisdom of, of culinary medicine, you know, that, that we brought forth. So, um, you know, for me, it, you know, there's there's a couple of things in your in that about listening to your story and and being able to put the fear aside and, and it may be lonely for a while, um, but that's okay. Um, you know, if you believe in what you're doing, uh, then it's important that you, that you pursue what makes a difference at the end of the day. Absolutely. Ah, this is awesome. Every panel I do, I always say we should, we should package this stuff up and just do a paid course. Because <laughs> Everybody always drops so many golden nuggets. I absolutely love it. All right, Joanne, looks like you are our anchor. Well, I mean, I, I'm the anchor, so you're like the pre-anchor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, ready. Off you go. I love it. So uh, 
I started sharing my story based off of connection um, because I was in the school system and our teachers are just, there's, there's so much drama and trauma that's happening in the school systems for teachers with kids, with administration, with um, other coworkers. And it's, it was leading to me actually getting sick. And so I began sharing my story so that other people could realize that there, there's another path. Like you can still love to teach and you can still do what you love to do, but you don't have to do it in a way that is going to cause harm to your body um, and your, your own health, your mental health, your physical health. And I, I think that there's not enough teachers that are really talking about what's happening inside of our school systems and and the pandemic really um, brought forth a lot of pain for a lot of teachers and what they were expected to do, you know, at a minute's notice. And um, so I just started sharing my story. And I always hear people who are like, oh, my gosh, that is exactly what I experienced when I was in the school system. So, you know, for me, I, I started working in a school system that was in the inner city. And as a brand new teacher, I had no idea what I was going to overcome, you know, getting coming into the classroom. I it was such a whole different world. I mean, kids that were, you know, so disrespectful, disengaged and harmful to each other. I mean, there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of um, all of this emotional baggage. And it was so hard to get around and be able to actually like teach them. I felt most of my time was spent on classroom management. And as a teacher, that's not even a class. Like you go through and get your, your entire teaching degree and Classroom management isn't one of the classes, and it is the most difficult piece of being able to teach. So you learn how to teach, you know how to teach really well, but then you don't really get the opportunity to do it as well as you probably could, you know, if there was this thing, you know, that could disappear, which was classroom management and kids were, you know, doing what they needed to do when they needed to do it. And you weren't focused in 5 million different directions. And um, I ended up uh, becoming the reading curriculum coordinator for our school. And over time, um, just the the administration, the things that we were being asked to do, I was not agreeing with. Um, I felt like teachers needed more autonomy to be able to you know, to teach and we were constantly watching over them and what they were teaching and how they were teaching it and giving them feedback on what they were teaching. And, uh, and I thought, God, there's gotta be a simpler, easier way. And, um, it was my illness that brought me down and I never got it diagnosed as to what it was, but I had a pain in my side that just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, over six months time, uh, I kept going into the doctor, trying to figure out what was going on with me and couldn't figure it out, took a leave of absence, came back to school. And I had this big like epiphany moment of you're not meant to be here. It was like this, this download from the universe. And I was like, oh my gosh, like if I'm not meant to be here, like what am I meant to do? Like I've spent my whole life really preparing to, to help kids. And I, you know, I love teaching reading and, and if I'm not meant to do this, what am I meant to do? And I was really lost for a while. And then uh, I started five businesses that I failed at completely, but it brought me full circle back to teaching, which is, is, is tutoring and being able to do the tutoring online, which gave me flexibility, the ability to still be a mom to my three kids, uh, the ability to have my passion, but be able to work with kids from all over the world, not just my zip code, 
which was incredible. Like I didn't have to drive to people's houses and, and do those kinds of things. I could just, I could just like come down to my basement, like right here where I am right now and, and, and do my thing and teach kids and then, and then be done. And I could do that one-on-one -on -one versus having to worry about the classroom management, and all those other things. I felt like for the very first time I was able to teach. And when I share that story with other people, they're just like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I want. Like I've always wanted to just be able to yes. teach, to be able to help these kids where they're struggling. And uh, I think that's the biggest piece of it is just being able to, um, you know, when you share your story, you have that ability to connect with other people and the pain that they're currently going through that nobody else can connect with them um, as they're going through it. And so that's the beauty of sharing our story with other people is that we can show them that, yes, there's a way through it. And there's even a better way once you get onto the other side. Awesome. Good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. You guys are killing this. So I'm going to piggyback off of what you've all said, but I want to go to the root of the problem. Why people are afraid to share their stories because it, they're groomed that way from a very young age, whether it's in school and you know, old school, you know, newer school parents, it's a little bit different, but with old school parents, you didn't speak unless you were spoken to. <laughs> that, that's how it was. I never questioned my father. If he said, do this, I didn't ask why, I just did it. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't question anything. I've had guests on the show who have straight up said, like, I didn't find my voice. I was in my 30s because I was programmed to not ask questions, to just do what I was told, you know. And so we're conditioned in that way. So we enter into the workforce. What do we do? We do what our boss tells us to do or our supervisor tells us to do. There's never any room for free thought. So the things that we want to tell and we want to share. Now we either don't know how to or we're afraid to. And so one central thing that you all shared was that you were kind of afraid to tell your story. You didn't realize the number of people you would touch by telling your story. You know, and Mike sharing his experiences created an entire different division in medicine. You know, so it's like you don't you don't know where sharing your story is going to go. Just like Jake said, you know, he's a magician. He's like, yeah, you want to see the magic axe, but he tells a story through his axe. You know, so it's not just getting up there and making bottles disappear. So storytelling is the oldest form of entertainment ever. <laughs> you know, ever. Just think about those of us that, that have gone camping before. What do you do? You sit around the campfire and tell stories. What, what are we doing here? We're on this podcast telling stories. And what's the purpose of telling the story? See, so that's at the heart of what I want to share. And it's because I've always been good at speaking. I became a leader at a very young age. And so getting in front of people and talking, that was the easy part. Things switched when I became a storyteller. And how did that happen? I went to a speaker boot camp down in Atlanta, Georgia in 2017. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Eric Thomas. If you're not, Google him. He's one of the top speakers in the world. And so I wanted to get down to his boot camp. I spent $3,000. I made it happen. I definitely could, couldn't afford it. I was like like this with my phone struggling to hit by now. Like just, ugh, I, just I just didn't have, have the courage to do it. And then finally I was like, you know what? Just hit it because you never know where this is going to go. Kind of like with the decision to share your story. You, you can think of all the negative reasons not to, 
I just thought about that one. If I get down there and I have the biggest breakthrough ever, it can be life-changing. And it was. So it was my turn to speak. Fortunately, Eric Thomas was there. So one of the top speakers, I was like, I got to put on my best performance. And I get up there and I rocked it. There were 41 people in there and I will pat myself on the back. I was the best speaker there. Right. So but where was the breakthrough? The breakthrough wasn't there. It was the day after where my plane lands in Boston. I'm in my car driving back here to Rhode Island and the phone rings and it's Eric Thomas's CEO. And he's like, Robert, I wanted to thank you for coming down. He's like, I got to tell you, you are far and away the most polished speaker there. I was like, get it. Right. But then it came because there was that pause. And, you know, the pause is never good. So then he follows it with, but you're my most frustrating type of student. I was like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm all ears. And he just broke it down. He's like, you spoke about this and there was no emotion in it. You just breezed over this and there was so much power in that story. And he just like ripped my speech to shreds. And he says, I can tell you, you shared that, like, you, you know, that story so well, you probably told it a thousand times. He's like, but there was zero emotion in it. He's like, and you're not going to transform someone's life unless they feel what you felt. And that changed everything for me. That one conversation with this man was worth quadruple, you know, quintuple, like an infinite amount more than a three grand that I paid. So it wasn't even the fact that I got to speak in front of those people. It was that level of feedback. You know, and most people don't share their story because they're afraid of the feedback. But the way I share now, it's, it's completely different. And I owe going to that event and switching from becoming a speaker to a storyteller. And now I get to help people change their lives. And I just checked now with the 46 different countries that tune into this show. It's absolutely unreal. So again, so that, that concludes round number one. And so Katie, you're gonna you know what? Let's switch things up. Uh, I've never done this on a panel. Let's no, I don't want to, I don't want to keep Katie waiting. All right, Katie, you're up. So for, for round number two, I want you to talk about why you do what you do. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I was just telling everybody before, or I think it was Chef Mike and uh, Dr. Mike, which, oh my God, I'm getting you to BC to do a retreat on my Gulf Island. Nice. <laughs> um, because what I do is very similar. I mean, as a, my vocation as a naturopathic doctor is something different than what I'm doing in terms of storytelling for other women who have lost children right now. But my vocation originally was actually to support my son. I wanted to know what I could do alternatively to support him when I had him as a child. So, um, and it's not that I didn't resonate with, with uh, general medicine. I just always felt like I was a bit of a, a medicine woman. And so I've been practicing naturopathic medicine for 15 years. And a lot of what we do is teach people how to eat properly. Like, it's like <laughs> so simple. It was, it's so simple, but it's not, you know, and then we intervene. Um, but it's so funny. Um, but that's originally why I had become a doctor of naturopathic medicine. And our med school is actually pretty rigorous. People don't realize that because we're totally the underdogs in, in the medical world, which is fine. Um, but I'm kind of getting tired of that. I'm kind of getting tired of fighting for that. Um, one of the reasons why I want to become a speaker is actually because right after my son died, I did The Artist's Way. My sister bought it for me for, for Christmas. 
And I downloaded that I'm meant to be an inspirational speaker. And of course, all sides of my introvert said, what are you talking about? I am meant to be an inspirational speaker. And I, I, I did one talk that was so powerful on emotional leadership about five months after he died. And I got a standing ovation and then I shelved it because I had a lot of healing to do. Um, but one of the reasons why I want to, I know my why, my why is love, my, my human design, I'm in the, I'm in the theme of, of love. And what I know, this sounds totally insane, but my purpose is to speak, to share like love codes, so that I, I help others sort of, you know, um, ignite the love in themselves. And so that's really my why. And, and switching from a practice, practicing naturopath, which, which keeps me in a bit of a box, literally this box, my office, <laughs> <laughs> to getting out there and sharing my story, even seeing the power of it on TikTok and sharing what I have been through to give others permission, um, yeah, to tap into their capacity to love. Because I think that's really my story is throughout all this process of losing my child, I have kept uh, my heart open. And I think it's actually one of the most chal- I can I'm crying just thinking about how challenging it's been for me to keep my heart open after the loss of a child. So I think that, yeah, if there's anything to, um, yeah, that's it. Sharing love. That's that, why that's I do what a, I do. That's, that's awesome. I just I just want to touch on that real quick before we go back to Jake. You know, you said losing, losing a child, but, but you kept your heart open. Like, that's such a hard thing to do. Now, I, I haven't lost a child, but when I was watching my father deteriorate, it was, it was the same thing. Like, people didn't he, – he started getting sick in January of 2019. People – even people in the gym, people I see five to six days a week, nobody knew until October, you know, because it's like, yes, I'm going through that, but at the same token, when you're serving people – it helps you to keep your heart open. It's like, it's very easy to keep those feelings inside. And I believe someone said that in the last round, uh, Katie actually said, if you don't face the grief, it's going to make you sick, you know? So it's like, I would just, I just kept with the reality of it, of what was happening every single day and still poured into the people that, that I'm serving, you know? So sorry, sorry to jump in that, but just, that was a powerful statement. And I just wanted to help amplify that. All right, Jake, you are up. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, that's that's when it's the most difficult and uh, also the most important to, you know, keep your heart open as you guys were talking about. Um, I, I want to give you a quick uh, little insight into my why to answer your question. But then I also had an interesting point that I don't think we've touched on that I – I think is is at least worth mentioning just for the people who are listening to the show or watching the show. Um, so, I mean, for me, magic is uh, unlike anything else. I, I think there's, there's something about when you see something vanish in front of your face, you're not thinking about, Oh, I have to go do my taxes. I have to go pick the kids up. I have to be here and do that and do this. You're truly in the moment. And there are so few um, occasions or circumstances in which we today are truly in the moment. And magic is one of those cases where you can get people. It's an incredible art form where you can get people to truly be present and in the moment. And I think sort of the, the commonality in everything that we do is it's about being able to connect with other people and, um, you know, and, and, and share and learn with other people. Um, the thing that I wanted to say that I, I don't think we've touched on that was – this is what I thought of at least when I first saw what the, the topic was going to be for the show is how much we are judged on 
the stories that we do share, meaning we're, you, you know, your, your status is based on how many followers you have. Your status is based on how many likes you get and who comments on your picture and who, you know, wishes you a happy birthday over social media. Like it's much, you know, I, and I know people who are like this, who I'll text them happy birthday. And they're like, can you just write that on Facebook so that other people can see it? And this is how we're judged. And so one of the things that I thought of is the most important person to tell your story to is yourself. Yes. You need to figure out what your story is, where it's going, what it's going to be. And you have to be honest with yourself because everything that you have in, in, in your life, your frankly reality is – the way it is because of the stories that you tell yourself. And so I think that's the most important place to start because you can't get anybody else to buy into a story if you don't buy into it first. And so uh, that was just what I wanted to touch on, you know, telling your, your, the, the stories that you tell uh, uh, to yourself is so important. And especially just to tie it back to what I do as a magician, I spend so much time when I'm writing a, a routine, when I'm getting a trick ready to go on stage, I spend a lot of time, wor not so much worrying, but focusing on the story that the spectator will tell when they leave. Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that happen during an hour-long show, a lot of small things. But when that spectator gets up and leaves, I'm worried about the story they will tell to somebody else. Oh, I just saw this magician, and this happened, and this happened, and then it vanished, and then it appeared, and then he knew what I was thinking. The story that you're going to tell when you leave my theater is is of the utmost importance. And so that's why, you know, the, the, because that, that creates the reality when you leave and you t go to tell somebody else a story about my show, it doesn't matter if those things really happened exactly the way that you're saying them, because of course, in a magic show, they didn't, whatever you leave and go say, that's not what really happened, or it's, that's at least not all of what really happened. But when you go and tell that story to somebody else for you, that's real. That is what really happened. And that's why, uh, you know, I think the stories that we tell ourselves have uh, so much power. And that's why uh, starting with yourself is the best place to start. Can, can you guys believe that this guy's 23? Can you believe it? <laughs> uh, awesome stuff, man. Awesome stuff. All right, Lisa, you're up. I, my why, I guess the easiest way to put it is empowerment base empowerment of all the people around me. When I was in corporate America, I guess that's like the easiest way to put it. I had like the nine to five job where you're told when you get to take lunch, that situation. When I was there, everything that I was doing was always to get me like back training people when that was the side hustle, because what resonated with me when I would train people was them walking out feeling strong and successful and capable and knowing that they could take those feelings and apply it to every other aspect of their lives. So like when Jake was saying, you know, you tell your own story to yourself, the space that I'm trying to create for them is for them to tell themselves, I can do this hard thing because I've already done this hard thing, which goes back to my own story of me doing the hard thing and sharing with them like, if I can get through this, if you can get through your absolute worst day, you can get through this part and it won't be that bad. And you're going to walk out feeling absolutely better than how you felt before. And what that's brought to me, which I love Katie's story. I'm like, oh, girl. And the, you're talking about healing. 
what that has turned into is creating a space for people to be able to heal in a safe place where they feel like I can be an absolute hot mess today. I can come in here with all my, all my bad day BS and I can leave it here and I can walk out feeling lighter, feeling happier, feeling more fulfilled, all those things. And if I can create that for a person in a group class, private setting, whatever it is, and they walk out feeling even 1% better, I feel like I've empowered them by doing basically what I love. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. Who's up next? Chef Duck, the mic. So, Robert, I'm going to answer your, your, your question with a story. So okay. I, want, I want everyone to, to come back with me like 250,000 years ago, right? So the six of us and everyone else who's watching, right, we're, we're there. It's a dark, deep, you know, African night. Uh, there we are on the savannah. And, and we're one of a small tribe of, of hominids, just a small group of, of us with many other, you know, tribes and, and groups of hominids, you know, out there in, the, in that dark and dangerous African night, right? I mean, there's saber-toothed tigers, there's dire wolves. It's a dangerous place. And, and let's face it, you know, we're not exactly the top predator, uh, we, we don't have claws. We don't have fangs. We don't run very fast. We can't fly. Um, so we huddle together as, as a band of, of social primates. And we do have one thing. We've got our brains. And we figured out how to use fire. And we build this big fire and it keeps us warm and it gives us lights. It keeps those predators away. And then one of us that night, that special night and that African savannah, does something that no creature has ever done in the history of the world. One of us takes a couple of those mastodon ribs and puts it on the Barbie. And there, <laughs> as, as Robert alluded to when we opened this, right? There, under that deep, dark African night, we share fellowship and food. And what else do we do? We tell stories. And in that moment, something incredible happened. That small band of hominins changed everything because in that moment, we became humans. And that's the power of the story, right? And now let's fast forward to where we are today. And when I look at the power of storytelling and what we do, it's about a shift for me because we've come so far in those hundreds of thousands of years but maybe we've gone a little bit in the wrong direction because now we live so much in our heads. And, and you know, we, we need to get back to telling those stories from the heart. And, and that's, where the, that's, that's where the human connection is. That's where those human bonds are. Up here's the technology that's great because we could all connect today. But, you know, honestly, I, I'd, all, all of, I'd rather sit around with all of you and share a pint in the pub and have a story there and have the food and the fellowship and that human connection. And, and so connecting to the heart and shifting from our headspace to our heart space and, and being able to operate from there, um, you know, that's the power of the story. And, and I think Jake and, and Katie and Lisa all said it, you know, so very well, uh, especially in terms of, of looking into our own stories 
And, and the one thing I would add, the last thing I'll add is that when we do go back and we look at our own stories, a, a lot of times we don't tell them in a very positive way. Um, and so it's important that we go back and maybe we rewrite that story. And that gives us a, a sense of empowerment. So when I tell that story and I realize, you know, I was a short, fat, you know, ostracized, socially ostracized, incredibly socially awkward kid. Uh, I go back uh, to that to that story that was told that way for so long. And now I look at it as an empowering story because that, you know, I was a solo adventurer and I found that that sanctuary, that magic kingdom called a kitchen. And if it wasn't for those things and rewriting that story, you know, you can dwell in that negative space. And so I guess it's not only about going to the hard space, but going there in a positive way. Love it. Awesome. You guys are killing this. All right, Joanne, bring round two home. Well, I have to say, I, I come at it from a, a very different perspective, and that is a marketing perspective. Um, I, I'm a business coach. So uh, when I help other teachers or tutors with their business, I help them understand that it's through the power of story that people care more about wanting to work with you than it is by all of your credentials and everything else. So a lot of people, um, when they create a video, let's say for, um, for their website, they'll say something like, hi, my name's Joanne Kaminsky. I, I got my degree from, uh, from Marquette university and, um, became a teacher. I worked in the school system for this many years. Okay. Are you guys already bored? I hope so. Because like, that is exactly the story that they all tell. And it's like, that is not the story that people want to hear. When they come to their website, they want to hear the story of, you know, that you get them, that you understand them. And that's where we have to come at it. So I think about, I like create a story inside of my head. So it's not necessarily my story at this point in time. It's actually the story of my ideal client that I'm working with. So the story that I come at is, is your child sitting at the kitchen table and they are just completely uh, frustrated with reading. In fact, they're struggling with even doing their math homework because they're struggling with reading the directions and knowing exactly what they need to do. Or maybe they're looking even at those word problems and they don't know how to go about it because they're struggling with reading the words that go along with that. As a parent, that could be so frustrating. So I look at the story from their eyes, from their point of view, what they're experiencing, and then I tell them how I can be that solution and how I can help. So I think for me, it's really empowering for, um, for, for teachers who we know how to teach, but we don't know how to market our services. It's really empowering to say, look, instead of telling everybody like, you know, what your credentials are and how long you've been teaching and why you're passionate. Okay. Every single, this is my favorite one. Everyone says, why do you teach? Because I love that aha light bulb moment. Okay. If I have to hear that one more time, I think I'll puke. Like I don't connect with that whatsoever. So you, you have to be different. If you're not different, what do people do? They are just going to ask you how much you charge and then go on to the next person if it's not the right price point. But yep. when you can connect with them at a heart level, at a deeper level, and you can say, look, I understand 
understand your story. I understand your pain. Even if I didn't experience it, I can imagine what it looks like. And I can tell a story based off that point of view. And then I can share with you how I can be that solution. So, you know, that's really my big why is I started just hearing all these other videos of tutors that were sharing. They were they were creating a video so people could get to know them, but it wasn't having the effect that they wanted to and 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 helping them understand how can you tell the right stories so that you can really connect with with people online um, so that they want to be able to hire you. Love it. See, and that that flows perfectly into what I'm going to say, because when I'm working with people in story creation, the very first thing we start with is nobody wants to hear your story. And people are always like, wait a second, (laughs) aren't you here to help me create my story? Yes, but nobody wants to hear it. It's like they want to hear your story as it pertains to them. You know, because one thing that none of us have said yet is relatability. Relatability is everything. It's everything. So even though Katie lost uh, lost a child and I lost a parent, pain is pain. You know, yes, there are different levels to pain, but pain is pain. And the steps to come back from pain, there's a series of steps that you have to take. So there were steps that she had to take, and there were steps I had to take. And when we did our our solo episode. As she was talking, I I felt every bit of it because those steps that I had to go through and watching my father deteriorate and then we had to end care. So we watched him pass. You know what I mean? So it's like we were able to connect when I was talking with with Lisa. She was told she, she may not walk again. I was told I may not run or jump again. You know, so when we were talking, it was like we were like just two people enthralled in each other's stories. It wasn't even like I was interviewing her. And then same thing with with Mike, because, you know, I spent 20 years in the restaurant in- industry, you know. And so as as he and I were talking, like we were vibing the entire time. I wasn't sure how my conversation with Jake was going to go. I have a 23 year old, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> but like right from the first sentence, when he started talking, I was like, oh man, like I can vibe with this kid and I'm old enough to be his dad, you know, but like our story still resonated, even though I know nothing about magic, not a thing, but the story's still connected. And with Joanne, I met her, I was a, a panelist and for a media, a media a publicity summit. And just just hearing the way she spoke, just, you know, because I, I was in that bubble, too, in the restaurant industry. Like, I knew I didn't want this anymore. So I was listening to her talking about how teaching has changed and how the joy wasn't there anymore. Even though we were two different industries, pain is pain. And that's one of the biggest things I want people to take away. It's like, it, you know, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. Because I said, there are, there are levels to pain. Like, I'll definitely, I'll definitely say that. But... How you move on from it, the steps are very similar. You know, so for one of the biggest things I hear from people why they don't share their story, they don't think the story is big enough. They don't think people will resonate. Nobody wants to to hear it from me or they're afraid to revisit the pain. What do all those things have in common? It's about you. Okay, you're not telling your story because you're being selfish. Once you take what happened to you, figure out where those teachable moments are. Now you can share your story in a way that people want to hear your story. Because if you just get up there and say, I worked in a restaurant for 20 years. I worked 14 hour days. You know, people were constantly quitting or not showing up. It, that's a woe is me story. 
right? Nobody, nobody can resonate with the woe is me story. Like my, my niece, I believe she's still on 2021. She lost her two-year-old son, two. And when I tell you, when we were at the funeral, I couldn't even look into the casket. Like I, I, I did not want to see a baby in the casket. She got up and gave the most beautiful eulogy, obituary, I don't know, whatever it's called, it was beautiful. And But she got up there with just so much class, so much poise, just because she was able to accept what was and found the teachable moments in why this is happening. You know, and if she can do it in that moment, you know, a mother's worst nightmare, father's worst nightmare, then what is the power in your story? Like what's holding you back to the people listening? What's holding you back from sharing your story? Are you afraid to revisit the pain? Because like Katie said, if you don't face the grief, it's going to make you sick. It's going to make you sick. And so the more you share it, the more at ease you're going to be with it. And the pain's never going to go away. You know, like depression doesn't go away. You manage it. And so the more you step into the power of your story, that's where you're going to inspire others and you're going to heal yourself. So now... For this last phase, this is where you guys get to sell yourself. So what do you got going on? How can people connect with you? Give a, just a final message that you want people to take away from, from the entire thing, but what they want to take away from the words that you shared. All right. So Katie, you get the full screen. It's all you. Oh, God. <laughs> um <laughs> So I'm kind of closing up shop right now. So there's actually no way to work with me in, in this moment. There will be soon, but not right now. Um, I think one of the things to take away is, you know, follow your heart and soul. I, I, my heart and soul has been the thing that has led me to the best things in this healing journey, um, to the best people, to the best experiences, to actually showing up for myself and saying no when I need to say no, yes when I want to say yes. So that's my closing. Keep your heart open. Okay. I was just about, about to take a sip. Good thing I was off camera. Because <laughs> I had just grabbed my water bottle. You're like, and that's it. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I know. I was super fast on that one. <laughs> yeah, you were. All right. Who's up next? Jake, you are up. The floor is yours. Yeah. Um, and and I, I love what you were talking about uh, just a couple seconds ago, uh, or maybe it was a minute ago, whatever it was, just a, a moment ago was about accepting responsibility for your story. And, and nobody wants to hear a what was me story. You're exactly right. And I think what's great about accepting responsibility for your story is you then acknowledge that you have the power to change it and, you know, create your story moving forward. So it's, it's tough. That's the hard part is accepting responsibility for being where you are in the story that you have so far. But Come, what comes with that is the acknowledgement that it's completely within your power to change it. Um, yeah, so just uh, about me, I perform magic shows for university and corporate events all over the country. Um, you can follow at the magic of Jake Schwartz. I have so much content coming out now, including my new podcast, the Sponsors Pending Podcast, which is available on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, it's a really entertaining comedy show. Me and a buddy of mine who is a comedian tell stories about the ups and downs of life coming up in the entertainment industry. And then at the end, we read ridiculous ads for things like drives with your grandmom and fire hydrants and, you know, just joke stuff like that that are written by the other person. We try to get the other person to say ridiculous things. And um, I've got some really cool stuff coming out, too, as well on my socials, which are at the magic of Jake Schwartz. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited. If you're not following me, it's a good time, too. 
Awesome. Good stuff. All right. We are at Lisa. You get the full screen. Oh, man. I think the biggest takeaway that I could give to all the listeners, regardless of when you're catching it, and I think it applies to what all of us are saying is just start right now. Whether it is starting on your fitness you know, journey, whether it is addressing aspects of your health or your grief or stepping into your story, there's no better time than right now to start. I think oftentimes we tend to give the excuses of like, I'm too busy. There's too much going on. You'll never be less busy than what you are right now. And life will never be less chaotic than what it is right now. So if there is something that you are ready to do, now is the best time to do it. That being said, the easiest way to reach out to me is on Instagram. And my handle is at Lisa Peronzo. You can apply for coaching and check out all the programs and stuff that I have on there. I did just launch a new workout journal. It is called the Badass Workout Book. And it is everything that you need to track to make sure that you are seeing progress and results on your workouts. Awesome. Good stuff. You, you got to fly in through this last part here. Yeah. All right. Chef Dr. Mike. You are up. Great. Uh, so lots going on. Uh, folks can uh, visit uh, me at www.chefdrmike, that's chefdrmike.com. And all the social media links uh, are there. So you can follow us, me on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram as well. I uh, also gave Robert, if he could share later, there's a link. Uh, last month, we launched our uh, PBS show, House Calls with Chef Dr. Mike. And uh, since it's went through the debut phase, it's actually now on uh, PBS Montana's uh, YouTube site. So uh, folks could check it out there, see an adventure in uh, culinary medicine. Um, hopefully, if you like it, give it a, a thumbs up. The station still is going um, uh, checking on that and, and obviously uh, monitors those sorts of things. Uh, we also have the an online version of the culinary medicine one of the culinary medicine classes that I teach at the University of Montana. Uh, you can get to that through the website as well. And just connect with me on uh, social media. I love to hear from folks. Uh, I'm not famous, so I have to answer all my own stuff. So it may be a day or two, uh, but I get back to you. Uh, it's it's me, genuinely me, uh, chit-chatting there. So I, I love interacting with the folks, answering questions. Um, so come on and join the culinary medicine bandwagon. I love it. I dropped that link in the comment section and then I'll add it into the uh, description as well. So thank you. And we are at Joanne. There you go. Hello. Hello. I think, I think the biggest part, like when it comes to telling our story is to think about it as like, um, I, I, it was described to me as like an arc, right? There are, there are pieces where like, okay, your, your story kind of takes a journey. And if you listen to like any kind of, um, any kind of a TV show or movie, you know, it follows uh, this this certain kind of path, right? Where you have like, you know, something good that happens and then something bad that happens, but then things get better. And then all of a sudden you have that big epiphany moment, right? So it's it's crafting that story in a way that is is going to work. And then taking that story sometimes and now flipping it so it says you in there so that your ideal client as you're telling that story can connect with it just a little bit more. And I think that's really the the piece of it is we want people to connect 
with our stories. We want them to be like, yeah, I get you. I understand you. And I think that's so incredible. So people who want to uh, continue and, and learn more about what it, it is that I do as an online tutor business coach, uh, you can go to onlinetutorcoach.com. And if you add a, a backslash 50, you will get a free gift, which is uh, how to... Uh, 50 plus ways to be able to get online tutoring students. So if you ever wondered, like, how do I even go about getting students for my online tutoring business? You can start there and get that. The other um, way to connect, I also have a book. It's called How to Start an Online Tutoring Business. I'm making four to five figures a month. Definitely be able to replace your teaching income if that's something that you're interested in being able to do. And you just go to onlinetutorcoach.com slash book and you'll be able to get your own copy of that. I have my own YouTube channel on and you'll find me at youtube.com slash Joanne Kaminsky uh, where I share tons and tons of videos uh, sharing with people how to specifically go about this process of how do I start my own online tutoring business so that you can do that. And we have a free group on uh, Facebook, which is called the Ultimate Support Group for Online Tutors. And this is to support any tutor uh, with being able to start their online tutoring business, their journey, uh, be able to get you up on your way of, of seeing if this is something that could be a good fit for you. Awesome. Love it. So we are actually way ahead of schedule. So what we're going to do, well, actually, let me let me, let me me do my, do my part first, and then we'll go from there. All right. So first and foremost, you, you guys crush this. You know, I got to say, when it comes to storytelling, and I love doing these panels because you get people from different industries, different demographics, and everyone's stories are always in alignment. And no one ever tells the exact same story. And that's the beauty of storytelling. So you can have two people, they can both be, let's just say, basketball players. And they, they can look at the sport through two completely different lenses. You know, like I said earlier, I can say the word vacation. Because you know, put put your ideal vacation in the chat, and you're gonna get a billion different answers. Because what drives people, it, it's not the same for everyone. You know, like someone, I was debating someone on Twitter. See, like all of my stuff, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, they're all motivational stuff. I debate on Twitter, right? So, so if you guys ever want to see the, the other side of me, check check me out on Twitter. But but anyway, I was debating with someone. They were talking about about the, the police, you know, and, and they're just saying everything as a, as a collective. And I was like, okay, so you had one incident with one person. It's like, you know, you, you can't lump everybody into that. Like if, if some, someone comes and smacks me in the face, I can't blame everyone in that demographic for that happening. It's like, like you just can't do it. That's just how, how I think. Someone else can view it completely differently. And it's not about being right or wrong when it comes to storytelling. You're sharing your truth. You know, so what I want the, the biggest takeaway to be for everyone, be unapologetically you. When you're unapologetically you, your story hits home and it hits home hard. Because if you're on the stage, whether it's a virtual stage or whether it's a live stage, people will see right through you if you're holding back. Or if you're trying to say what you think they want you to say. You know, like I've shared on many of my solo episodes, I, I got told by a speaker coach I would never be taken seriously in a tank top. Like you, like you, like you can't show up to speak in a tank top. And this right here is episode 248. I just published my 20th article. And I've been on about, I don't know, TV about maybe 20 times, I want to say. Now, one person 
spoke about what I was wearing. Not one. Because when I get up there, I'm unapologetically myself. I'm my true, authentic self. If people don't like what I say, you're not my target audience. <laughs> I'm worried about the ones who like what I have to say. You know, like, like I'm, I'm sure Jake probably gets hate every now and then, right? Because there's haters out there. There's people that just want to talk trash about what you do. He's not going to switch up his whole magic act to, appe to appease one person that maybe didn't like his act. Right? It's like you're going to get up there and you're going to do what you do, be unapologetically you, and lean into the people who believe in what you do and the people that want to hear what you have to say. Like you can help change their world. You know, It's like maybe we can't change the entire world, but you can be the entire world for someone. And you can do that through the power of your story. So because we have a couple of minutes left, I'm going to put you all on, on a quick hot seat, just real, real quick. Right. And and I'm actually going to have Katie go last this time because she always has to like think on the fly. I'm going to give you a moment to think about about what you have to say. So we're going to start with Joanne. Right. So, Joanne, we got someone on the fence. Right. They're sitting on the fence to like I have this thing that I want to share and I'm so afraid to share. Talk them off that off that fence in 60 seconds or less. Ready, set, go. <laughs> people are going to be able to connect with you if you share from your heart. There's so many things and lessons that people take from the stories that you share. If you choose not to share your story, then the person that you are meant to connect with, they won't get that experience. And so when you take that opportunity to share from the heart, you have that opportunity to connect with another human being. Awesome. Well, well done. All right, so we're going to reverse order, right? Sorry, so Chef Dr. Mike, same question. So uh, I, I would really build, I think, um, John, she, she really said a lot of exactly sort of what I was going to say, <laughs> which is, um, you know, no, I was like, she nailed that. Well, yeah, she did. <laughs> uh, thanks for stealing everything I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, if, if somebody is reticent uh, about telling their story, the, the, you know, sort of the question is why? Uh, what, what, it, what is it that's prohibiting you from, uh, you know, telling that story? Uh, is it the fact that it's painful? Is it the fact that we're afraid? Uh, those are things that when we can face them through telling, you know, our story, uh, that's part of the healing process uh, that that heals us. And and those types of moments and those types of experiences uh, are not only things that we you know can build on from an emotional, spiritual point of view, but those actually we don't have time to get into it. But I would tell them, you know, I, I could show you the papers that these are things that actually affect our physiology. So when you go back and, and you um, conquer that fear, when you overcome that pain, that pain, when you uh, empower yourself by rewriting and retelling uh, that's that story, you're rewiring it that that uh, fundamental uh, bit of your brain. And, and so now you're kind of positively rewiring yourself. So when you share that story, when you connect uh, with someone else, yes, you help yourself, but you also heal your you, you help someone else, but you also heal yourself. Bingo. Love it. I say that all the time. Lisa. Oh, man. And everybody already nailed what I was going to say. <laughs> I would add on to all of these nuggets of wisdom by saying, if you're scared to tell your story, not everybody's going to like you. 
not everybody's going to like what you have to say. That is honest to goodness truth. And I think we all on some level can attest to that. But the people who are meant to find you, who are meant to resonate with what you have to say, who need to hear it because it will help them, will find you. Your people will find you. Your people will hold on to every single word that you have to say, and you will be able to help them. And being able to help one person is more beneficial than staying quiet and helping no one. Love it. Love it. And just so, so you know, as you guys keep saying it, you know, the each, each person is making it harder for you. I have to go after all of you. <laughs> just saying. All right, Jake, you're up. You did Katie the raw deal. That, that was just the one time to go first. <laughs> for real. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just not to uh, re- say what everybody else has already said or start off how everybody else has started off, but I was going to say something pretty similar to what everybody else has said for me when, if there's something that I'm afraid of, the the question is why? And so I used to have really bad stage fright and just to kind of, for the sake of the hypothetical analogy, I'll plug in my story here a little bit because I think it, it fits the, the point that I'm trying to make. And well, I, had bad stage fright and you ask, okay, well, why, why are you afraid to go on stage? Well, cause there's a lot of people out there. Okay. Well, why does that scare you? And you need to kind of get down the levels of the why until you get to the basic truth. And for me, it was because I was afraid of what they were going to think of me. And so once you get that, the, the, the real reason, which a lot of times you can't really get from yourself. You, a, a lot of times it takes somebody else to give you some tough love and to sort of help you find out what that actual reason is of why you're afraid of something. Um, but once you get down to that, then then now it, at least you know what you're working with. And sometimes you'll find that's a legitimate reason. And sometimes you'll find that's not a legitimate reason. Sometimes I'm afraid to tell the story on the air if I'm doing an, a TV spot or a podcast episode or something, because it's going to embarrass somebody that's close to me and I don't want to do that. Maybe that's a legitimate reason. So I I think that's, that's the place to start is asking why, 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 until you get to a spot where um, it's the real answer and it's the source of what all of the other surrounding fears are. And uh, once you're able to figure that out, that's how you move forward. You can move forward from there. Awesome. So you guys are killing this. All right. Dr. Katie. Seriously, get the raw deal. But anyways, <laughs> but I think if I've been scared to tell my story for obvious reasons, and what I have been telling myself is do it for the you that went through the challenging time mm. so that everybody else who's in that same position gets to gets, gets to have the benefit, gets to feel, gets to be witnessed, gets to relate to you that version of you who struggled because I could have used the me now when I was struggling in 2016, when I was one of the only moms who had lost a child to fentanyl. Now there's thousands, millions, who knows? There's so many of them. And so, yeah, do it for that version of you that, that, that needed that person to share their story. So you, you could, you could not feel alone. You could feel that you could relate to something. So, yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. So nobody actually said what I was going to say. <laughs> As you guys are all talking, I'm like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to, to bring it all together, when it comes to storytelling, what do you want it? What do you want the outcome to be? That's, that's really what it boils down to. Why are you sharing your story? 
what do you want people to get out of it? Like I start every, every podcast episode, I always say what the objective is. We're about overcoming the uh, overcoming obstacles, defying the odds, helping you clear the path of whatever's keeping you from your goal. Like that, that's the outcome that my expected outcome of every episode, every guest that, that comes on, I walk them through the hows of their story. Because it's very easy to talk about the easy parts. It's very, very easy. People don't like to talk about the ugly parts. You know, and like Jake was saying, you know, about people are afraid. You know, they're just afraid. But when you step in and tell your story, right, I have five examples here, five other examples of what happens when you tell your story. You know, and sometimes you're telling your story and don't realize it. Like Lisa said, one of her clients came up and said, I didn't realize you were so inspiring. She's like, no shit, neither did I. (laughs) Right. So when you actually get out there and you start sharing, people will gravitate to you. You know, and like I mentioned in um, the article that I just recently had published, I had to give four tips to eliminate excuses and craft a sustainable fitness regimen. And one of my one of my sections was you you keep falling off track because of the stories you tell yourself, you know. And I believe it was Lisa that alluded to it. You know, I don't have time. It's too expensive. I have kids. My kids play sports. Family first, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And there I I come. I'm that person with the tough love that Jake mentioned. And I'm like, okay, you have all that. How are you gonna get it done? Like, that's what it was. How are you going to get it done? Because if you have all of that and you find a way to get it done, that's a powerful story. You know, like anybody can make excuses. Anybody can fall off track. It takes no discipline. The discipline isn't how are you going to navigate all that and keep your head on right? Like when I mentioned my father getting sick and just watching him slowly become a shell of himself. But I still had to keep it together. I still had to get on my podcast, even though I'm fighting back tears as I'm listening to people's stories, you know, talking about grief and, you know, just things that they're going through. But I still had to show up and be present. And I still had to show up and own the power of my story, even though my heart was dying inside. But that makes for a powerful story. I don't remember who said it, is you, you take people through a journey, said like you have the crux of your story, I don't even know if that's the right word, but it sounds good, right? So you have the heart of your story and then you weave your experiences through the main topic, kind of how today we're talking about telling your story to to inspire others and heal yourself. Every one of us shared multiple stories on that central theme. And that's, that's the power in it. That's why you want to tell your story. Like I said earlier, it's not about you. It's actually selfish to hold it inside. It's selfish because somebody out there needs to hear it. And they need to hear it like only you can tell it. Because like for, for me, I'm brash. Like Lisa and I were joking about this on, uh, on our episode because she leads with em- empathy. I lead with an iron fist. But at the end of the day, we still help people reach their end goal. She gets people results every day. I get people results every day. Some people need to hear it the way she delivers it. Some people need to hear it the way I deliver it. And you'll never know which one needs your needs your style till you get out there and you share it. So to all my panelists, thank you very much for taking the time. This was amazing. Make sure you guys connect with each other as well. 
because you saw how this all flowed. So we can obviously bounce off of each other. If um, anyone wants to collaborate again in the future, if you got projects, if you got speaking engagements, if you got podcasts, you know, whatever you want to do, let's keep in touch and see where, where we can go from here. So thank you all very much. I'm going to end the broadcast. And...